Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey, I'm glad you're here. My name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to have you gathering with us today. We are continuing in our series, Witness. We started this two weeks prior to Easter. You can go back and catch up kind of on the intro to this series on our podcast and our YouTube channel. And we're going to continue to walk through this up until the summer series uh, where we have, we're going to walk through the entire book of Philippians over the, over the course of the summer. But we've got a couple of weeks of this, some really cool stuff coming up. I'm really excited about it. We've got some guest speakers coming in. By the way, Maddie is going to be speaking next week. Don't miss it. It's going to be awesome. So good. We, we all really come every week hoping it's her speaking. I know. That's what happens. So um, listen, if you're a first-time guest with us today, genuinely so glad you're here, whether you're in person or online. If you're in person, you should have received a gift on the way in. If we missed you, we'd love to get you that on the way out. But listen, no matter where you're walking in on your spiritual journey today, you are loved, safe, and welcome here. And our desire is to simply meet you where you are and help you take some next steps in that journey, whatever that might mean for you. So before we get off today, I have a couple of quick announcements. Number one, this afternoon, we're doing a Crestview cleanup. Crestview is the elementary school right down the street that we partner with often throughout the year. And so we have a cleanup day this afternoon, 3 to 5 p.m. And so if you haven't already signed up through your city groups and you're interested in being a part of this, we're talking like gardening and outdoor green thumby things and things of that nature in the sunshine, way warmer than it is right now. So look forward to that. Um, If you're interested in being a part of this and you haven't signed up, Michelle is right here in the middle. Raise your hand. Yep, there she is in the middle. Find Michelle after, or if you couldn't see Michelle because it's dark in here, (laughs) find me and I'll connect you with her. We would love to have your help cleaning up at Crestview and serving our city together. Uh, Next up, we also have a trip to India. We're going to be partnering with God in India. We were in India last year, partnering with church planters. We have a lot of different things happening around the world that we get to be a part of. And then this September, we are taking another trip to India. And we want to invite you to begin to consider and pray about joining us. And so the trip is going to be the the 3rd through the 10th in September. And uh, you you do have to have all the things like a passport and your visa figured out. We'll help you with that if you're interested. Today, all I want to do is put it in your ear so you know that it's coming up. If you're interested in knowing more about being a part of this trip, we're going to be partnering with church planters in that area. Some incredible, incredible moves of God are happening all over the world, specifically in India. And so we're going not only to be a part of that, to catch some vision of what could and should be here stateside, but also to be a part of what God is doing with our partners there. And so this is open to anyone that's interested, um, no matter even where you are on your spiritual journey, it's super cool. It's, it's roughly $2,500 that's including your flights if you're interested in being a part of it. Uh, we can also help you in thinking through that, fundraising, and things like that. But today, I just want to put it in your ear if you're interested. You're not signing up for anything, but if you're interested, circle the letter I on your connection card, those blue cards that you should have received on the way in or in the seat backs in front of you. So put your information on that card, circle I at the bottom, and then we'll get you more information on that. Now, the key to this trip is there is a $200 deposit due on May 
first. So just to start locking in the interest and making sure we get everything moving, that's all the documents and things to get us on the other side of the world, we need a deposit by May 1st. And so again, you got about a month of decision making, but we'd love to get you that info right now. You guys tracking with me? Sound good? It's going to be awesome. Um, really excited to be able to partner with what's going on there. Now, back to our series. We are in this series, Witness, and again, you can kind of catch up in that first week on the podcast or YouTube channel, but um, I want to kind of do a little bit of backtracking really quick to intro today's conversation. We exist as a church to help people find their way to God from where they are. That's not unique to City Church. That is our mission from Jesus to help people find their way to God from where they are. Specifically, we, we say by practicing the way of Jesus together in Boulder. And one of the things we spend a lot of time on here at City Church is defining what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus? So this is not just best guessing. This is not what you heard from somebody or you saw in a book t- sometime or you've seen demonstrated and maybe it was kind of off kilter. What did Jesus mean when he invites us to follow him? And so we, we talk about this a lot at City Church that we together, as we practice the way of Jesus, what does it look like? It means, number one, being with Jesus. That's the invitation from Jesus is first to be with him. It's relational. It's not obligation. It's not condemning and guilt and shame motivated. It's an invitation to be with Jesus in relationship. Out of that relationship, we become like Jesus. We've done a lot of work through the last two years of spiritual formation, who we are becoming. All of us are becoming every day. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's not, as we're trying to create the space of, of being intentional in our formation. And the last thing is, anybody know it? It's on the screen. <laughs> to do what, you, the booth never knows what I'm going to do. I, kinda, I, give, I give them a cue and they don't know how to read me. And so do what Jesus did. Do what Jesus did. So ultimately we are becoming the kind of people that do what Jesus did. That's what it means to follow Jesus, to apprentice under Jesus. is not just a mental rearranging of our belief systems, but a rearranging of our entire lives around the paradigm of following Jesus, being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what he did. And so this series, Witness, is primarily focused on the doing part of Jesus' life. One of the things we see over and over again from the life of Jesus is that he was constantly, what the scripture writers would sometimes say, preaching the good news or preaching about the kingdom, which when you see that word in your Bible, that means to make public. And so it doesn't mean what I'm doing here right now necessarily, but where you live, where you work, where you play, to make public through your life the good news. Jesus did that over and over again. And so what does it mean for us to, to bear witness alongside Jesus? That's what the series is about around sharing the good news of our faith with the world around us. That's, that's what this whole series is about. And listen, I don't know your background. I don't know your kind of exposures. Most people have some kind of weird ideas that come to mind. The second they think about like sharing their faith or the idea of witnessing, which is not a word that we use commonly. So I don't know if, you know, in your mind when you hear witness, you think about the angry dude on the street corner holding a sign. Or, you know, the, the knock, knock, knock on your front door, if you were to die tonight. That's not what Jesus is after, I don't think, okay? So I don't know what, you know, your allergic reaction might be to the idea of witnessing, if you will, of sharing the good news, but what if in practicing the way of Jesus, it was less of that stuff, and it looked more like routinely having people far from God at your kitchen table and sharing a meal? 
What if it looked more like acts of service and radical generosity where you connect your motive and your why in that lifestyle back to God? Or what Maddie's going to talk about next week is dripping God into the world around us. What if it was what Rosaria Butterfields calls uh, radically ordinary hospitality? What, what if it was the hundreds of different kind of practical and creative and unique expressions and possibilities represented by our church on any given weekend living in the spaces the rest of the week? What if it was all of these spaces meeting people where they are and loving the people in front of us into a relationship with Jesus? What if it was like that? And specifically, when it comes to meeting people where they are, a lot of that has to do with meeting people in the place of pain. And so I just want to give you the why, kind of the motive a, a little bit. Maybe this will help you today to kind of lean in in your heart to why we would, we would be so focused on this practice from the life of Jesus. So we're doing some stats, doing some research, and loneliness in America is an, is an all-time high. When we moved to Boulder to start City Church uh, um, a, a couple of years ago, we started doing stats on our city alone, and because of the transience of Boulder and kind of the unique disposition of, of how our city looks, out of all of the top kind of concerns and worries and stresses and anxieties of our city, at the very top of the list, right before kind of anxiety around career and future and what that looks like, was loneliness. Currently, stats show that 54, 54% of Americans say today that there's not one person on the planet that knows them well. Americans have also polled and said that 40% of them said that they have zero close friends. And so it's not just true in our city, it's true of the world that we live in, that loneliness is a really, really big part. There's points of pain in the lives of those around us, and alongside the causes of those pain is a loneliness of having no outlets of comfort and love. And so we have a, a mental health crisis in our country right now that is unprecedented. There are people living without meaning at per, and purpose and, and without identity and direction and, and kind of the American pursuits of money and pleasure and stuff. They, they just haven't been delivering and they're not delivering. And so from the year 2000 until today, suicide rates have increased in our country 30%. This is the reality that you and I live in, that people all around us are in pain. Americans are projected to spend $15 billion at the end of this year on antidepressants. And the staggering sadness that follows that stat is in spite of that reality, more than 50,000 people go the route of suicide every year. That's 134 suicides a day in the places that we call home. And, and alongside that pain is suicide is, is the third leading cause of death among teenagers. And here's what I know about you is when you hear these stats, you probably aren't blind to them. Sometimes you can be distracted from them, but when they're right in front of you, they break your heart. Because all around us, people are in pain. And what if, friends, what if living on mission with Jesus is less of a sales strategy to win converts 
and more like loving the person in front of you. I think that's what Jesus is after. And, and by the way, listen, when I share those stats, it's just to highlight the reality of the, the, the points of pain probably in the people that you and I pass on a daily basis. But the church is not exempt from those stats. Those statistics are just as true in this room as they are outside of this Sunday gathering. And so just as a reminder, we are committed here at City Church to community. So we have city groups to provide spaces to cultivate community. But there's two sides to this space. As we live on mission with Jesus in the world around us, we also need community and we need to be community for others that it's not so completely outwardly focused that we don't pay attention to the people in front of us here, but it's also not so inwardly focused that we miss all that God is doing in the world around us. That takes a lot, doesn't it? Does it feel just a little bit overwhelming to anybody else? And the reality is, I don't have, there's not enough in me. I'm not a good enough, powerful enough, loving enough person to do that. But the good news is, Jesus wants to partner with us to do exactly that in the spaces where we live, work, and play. And so today what I want to do is look at how Jesus begins to address the pain in the world around us. And listen, depression is not the only pain. You know that. Mental health is not the only crisis in our world. You know that. And so out of all the pain points in the world around us, how does Jesus begin to address those things and bring hope into the world around him? We spent some time earlier this year kind of kicking off a space of looking at the life and the rhythms of Jesus. And he see, he was, we see over and over again, he was very consistent in prioritizing his relationship with God, his relationship with kind of his community, what we would call the church today, and then his relationship with the world around him, those who are far from God, those who are not in the family of God yet. And Jesus was consistently engaging in all of those spaces But one of the things that we see Jesus doing as he engages in those relationships is he's praying a lot. Or if you just crack up in your Bible for a second, Jesus is praying a lot. And one of the questions I want to ask you this morning, have you ever thought about what was Jesus praying about? I mean, I think we get some insights here and there, but like what was all of this time spent in prayer for? Because it seemed to be a really, really big deal to Jesus. The good news is, that his disciples, his closest followers, they asked the same question. (laughs) Like, Jesus, what are you doing up so early and and staying up so late? And we have all these things to do. What are, how are you, what does this prayer thing look like for you? Because they were familiar with an idea of prayer, but Jesus seemed to do it different. And so then he says, well, let me show you. So let me show you Matthew chapter six on the screen here. Matthew chapter six, this is Jesus kind of insight into how he prays. And I think this is how we begin to address the pain points in the world around us. Check this out. Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or set apart or holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread or the things that we need. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one or from evil. So notice Jesus' rhythm here. There's a hinge phrase right in the middle, on earth as it is in heaven. And and, and you could use this as a formula in your prayer time, but I want you to see two really big ideas from Jesus as he teaches us to pray. There's a rhythm on the front end. It's your name, your kingdom, your will. He starts with God's reality. You You guys tracking with me on this? 
And then he transitions on this hinge phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. Well, if heaven is God's reality and earth is our reality, then he starts with God's reality and invites that reality into ours. You guys, you guys watching this? Your, 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 and then he transitions. Us, us, and us. And this is a rhythm of what Tyler Statton calls releasing and asking. Jesus is kind of giving us a big picture of how to pray. And rather than trying to break down a formula here of how to spend exactly 15 minutes before you go to work, there is a big picture of first releasing and then asking. In releasing control, your will, your kingdom. Because all of us, we have a will. We have an agenda. We have a kingdom that we're trying to build. And there's a space. Jesus says, hey, why don't you take a moment and release when you start prayer, what, what, what if you released control and you started asking God for his agenda in your life? What is it that you're holding tightest onto this morning or today? And we start by releasing control. But then Jesus moves into asking, a posture of asking why. Because when we release control and we kind of give up our, our will and, and begin to ask God for his, we have this new lens of understanding in our asking. And so then Jesus wants us to simply and clearly ask for God's kingdom, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. This is God's rule and reign in his way. His goodness, like we sang about just a few minutes ago, it's that over your home, that over your marriage, that over your relationships, that over your singleness, that over your stressed out family member, that over your broken coworker, that over the person that you walked by on the street heading to get your cup of coffee, that over your barista. It's God's rule and reign and way and goodness over the reality of the people and the hearts and the city that we call home and the world that we live in. Jesus wants us to simply and clearly ask for God's kingdom to come anywhere it's lacking. So every point of pain in the world that you see around you is a place that God's kingdom is lacking. You guys tracking with me? Jesus wants us to directly ask for change in those spaces. So here's what I think happens. Most people, we, we read the, this kind of what's known as the Lord's Prayer, and like the idea of internal change, like prayer for internal change, I think most people can kind of get behind that. You kind of, life gets hard, and you kind of pray for yourself, and the idea that prayer works in some way to change you internally, most people can get on board with that. But the idea that prayer can actually make a difference around us Maybe if we had to like, do a, a, a test on paper, we would answer correctly, but in the reality of how we actually live, how we actually, actually pray, I think some question marks arise. Like on earth as it is in heaven, really? I mean, I mean is there really, do my, do my prayers even make a difference? And I think most people, whether we say it out loud or not, the answer is probably not. At least I'm not sure. I don't have a lot of confidence in it. But listen, let me just show you kind of a flash of Jesus' posture of how confident he is in asking. Let me show you this. Luke chapter 9, I'm sorry, 11 verse 9. Jesus, this is just kind of a snapshot of a bunch of things that Jesus said around prayer. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Mark chapter 11 verse 24. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. John 14, 13 and 14. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father might be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. John 15, 7. 
If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Matthew 21, verses 20, verse 22. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Matthew 7, verse 11. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your, will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And that's just, that's just like the top, guys. We could just keep going the rest of the time. It seems like Jesus kind of wants us to pray. Would you agree? I, I, I mean, I know these are isolated. They all have context, and I'm not making a point. Jesus is not a genie in a bottle, baby. Okay, that's not it. That was funny, guys. Come on. I'm not going to finish the song, but that's funny. He's not a genie, right? There's clearly an attachment to God's will. We already looked at that. The space of surrender and then the proper lens of asking. But Jesus seems to be pretty confident. Not like, hey, you should ask and see what happens. But you should ask with confidence and a response. Specifically, Jesus seems to want us to ask on behalf of others. And this is what theologians often call intercessory prayer or praying on behalf of someone else. And so here, here's the question. If, if, if we look around and there's places in our world where the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign seems absent, there's pain points Jesus seems to want us to pray into those spaces. But you might ask the question, well, where does that motive come from? Like, why pray? And listen, if, if the motive is like because you're supposed to or because Jesus really wants you to or because it's kind of obligated or like prayer is a task for you to perform, then you're totally gonna miss it and it's not gonna have any, any motive or power to actually change things. That's not what Jesus is inviting us into. Love is the motive pr for prayer. Richard Foster says it beautifully. Let me show you this. This I, I just have been sitting in all week. If we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them. And this will lead us to prayer. That's why we pray. Because you and I are not the hero of the story. Jesus, we are asking his kingdom and his way to come and bring change because you know what, you and I can't. You and I cannot bring change to the hearts of those around us. God might be able to use us in some ways, but the pain points in most of the places around us are beyond us. And that leads us to prayer. Let me give you a vision for prayer because I think one of the reasons that we struggle to pray is we look at this and, and then maybe you're like discouraged or intimidated. You're like, oh man, well I must not really love people because I don't pray for them. That's not the posture at all. Where, where does this desire come from? So, so backtrack with me. If you were to flip your Bibles open to Genesis 1, 2, and 3, just like the very beginning of your Bible, there's this kind of original plan that I think gives us a picture into prayer. We see God and creation where he creates humanity, and he creates Adam and Eve. And Adam, that word in the Greek is Adam. It actually is the word used for all of humanity. So it's not just Adam the person, but also God speaking to all of us. And God creates Adam and Eve. He creates humanity to co rule with him. There's all this incredible language in Genesis of God creating us to be in relationship with himself and to rule alongside him. Languages of kings and queen and royalty, co-laborers with God to cultivate and bring life and beauty out of the world that we live in. It's amazing. God invites humanity to share in his ruling. That's Genesis 1 and 2. 
But you and I both know that that beautiful picture is not our reality, right? That's not the, that's not the place that we live in. We live in this thing that, that, that theologians call the fall, where, where Adam and Eve are deceived to take the power that they were given from God for good, to take it into their own hands and to use it for their own good, to not trust in God, but to trust in their own way. And then over and over again, we see this brokenness perpetuated throughout all of humanity and history, where the life that we actually live is full of pain and brokenness. This is the moment that we are separated from God. It's like there's a disconnect in the relationship. And instead of God abandoning us to this brokenness and to this coup of power to do things our own way, he makes a promise. He makes a promise that there's going to be someone that comes and reestablishes God's rule and reign in the hearts and the minds of humanity. Not from the outside in, like we see in the world around us where might makes right and there's forced rule and reign, but God says he's going to do a renewal in the heart of humanity. And this promise ultimately culminates in this guy named Jesus. You heard of him, right? It's kind of a big deal. And so Jesus shows up on the scene, and he is the fulfillment of this promise of God winning the, uh, humanity's rule back. The thing that was lost, Jesus is going to win it back. And Jesus is promising over and over again that he's going to do something. And there's a scene in John 16, we were reading it a second ago, where Jesus is talking to his buddies about how he's going to leave and he's going to be crucified and be buried and rise again. And they're not tracking. They don't understand what Jesus is talking about. It sounds like this weird breakup speech like Tyler Statton talks about. It's like, it's not you, it's me, I gotta go. And they're like, where are you going? What's happening? And, and so then Jesus is actually better that I go. Listen to John. John 16 right here. John 16, uh, Jesus says as he's having that conversation, in that day, the day that he's talking about is when, it was when he's leaving, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. There it is again. Until now, listen to this, until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. But there's a day coming where you can ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. It's almost like Jesus looks at his buddies and he's like, you, you've never actually prayed before. You've never really prayed, but there's a day coming when you really get to pray. And, and so here's, here's the tension, is Jesus seems to be really excited about what's coming. And most Christians feel like prayer is, is like eating celery. It's like something that we should do or maybe we're not even sure if it's good for us. Does it even have any nutrients in it? Maybe if you slather it in peanut butter, right? That's all that we know. And so how do, how do we get to the space of Jesus' understanding of prayer? Here's, here's the really, really cool thing. Is in Matthew 28, this is post-resurrection, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So we looked at this week one. Jesus' command to go and make disciples, to share the good news with the world around us, to bring God's kingdom into the hearts and minds of the places and people where you live, work, and play. And before he says, make disciples, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Why, why, is, why would Jesus start with that? This is amazing. I don't want you to miss it. Right before this, Jesus says that Satan, the, the, the Satan, the devil, is the ruler of this world. 
And then Jesus dies, is buried, and rises again. And his statement following that moment is now all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. As in, I have won back the authority that was lost in the fall for you. That's the invitation into prayer, is that there was authority lost, and now you have it back again, that Jesus wins our rule back, that we get to enter into relationship with God. And in that ruling and reigning, the invitation to pray is to do exactly that, to exercise as children of God his his rule and his reign in the world around us. This is an amazing, amazing space. Let me show you how Philip Yancey says it. He says, of all the means God could have used, prayer seems the weakest, the slipperiest, the the easiest to ignore. So it is, unless Jesus was right in that most baffling claim. That he went away for our sakes as a form of power sharing. To invite us into direct communion with God and to give us a crucial role in the struggle against the forces of evil. Friends, God has shared his power with you. If you're a follower of Jesus, when Jesus says, ask in my name, that's not like a cute little phrase to make sure that God actually heard it. Like if you, you, know, if you don't say Jesus' name at the end, he didn't hear you. It's not, what, what is it? To say in someone's name is to be connected to their person and their authority. And so when you and I pray, we are praying alongside the same rule and reign of Jesus. Jesus says, when you're praying, you're praying in my authority and under my authority. So the beautiful invitation is our prayers are meant to bring restoration inside of us and to the world around us. That's why Jesus makes such a big deal about asking on earth as it is in heaven, in your mind as it is in heaven, in your heart, in your relationships, in your home, in the spaces where we live, work, and play as it is in heaven. Listen to how Tyler Statton says it. He says it this way. We dream of God bringing heaven to earth God dreams of praying people to share heaven with. And I'll be honest, friends, out of all the spiritual disciplines, since I started following Jesus at 15, I have sucked at prayer. It is the hardest one for me. But when I get a vision of what prayer actually is, it begins to change the way that I think about what's in front of me. So here's the question I want to ask you this morning. If God answered every prayer that you prayed over the last seven days, what would be different? What would be different? And I'll be honest, I don't know that I want to think about that answer. I've thought often when I listen to the words of Jesus, I I wonder how many things haven't happened simply because I haven't asked. Like I wonder how often God is sitting on the edge of his seat just waiting for us to ask. And then we don't. But what if we played it forward? 
if God answered every prayer that you and I prayed over the next seven days, what could happen? What could be different, friends? In all the places of pain, in all of your personal struggles, in all of your immediate struggles, in all of the struggles with people closest to you, and the pain and the brokenness that you might not even be aware of in the world around you, what could be different based on Jesus' promise through prayer? What could be different in your home over the next seven days based on how you prayed and what you asked for? What you asked for over your kids or over your marriage or over your singleness or over your roommates? What could be different at your work and with your coworkers and even in your working relationships with the boss that you don't like? What could be different, friends, if you're a middle schooler, what could be different over your teachers or, or your classmates over the next seven days if you began to ask differently? What could be different in your yoga studio over the next seven days when you began to ask specifically for it to be on earth as it is in heaven? What could be different in your neighborhood if you and I began to ask. Because on earth as it is in heaven is an invitation to pray God's reality into the circumstances around us. Prayer connects us to God and it also connects God to the world around us. And so what if, listen friends, the invitation very simply today is what could be different? What could happen if we took Jesus seriously here? What could happen? I believe the beginning of seeing the pain points find healing, the beginning of seeing a world turned upside down for good in Jesus' name is in prayer. We say a lot here. Prayer is our first response and not our last resort. That's a posture and a desire, but maybe it could be a practice. So here's the question. How many of you are like kind of leaning in and you're like, kind of motivated on the inside to pray, but also still totally intimidated and have nowhere, no idea where to start. Anybody like that in the room? Very cool. Me too. So next week, we're going to figure that out together. That's a joke. I have something for you today. Okay. So listen, this is super cool. This has changed how I pray. I told you I've struggled. This has been the hardest practice of following Jesus since I started following him. Partly, I have that like monkey brain thing going on, and I just get so distracted and and sometimes I'm like, well, what do I even ask for? I don't, I don't know how to pray or what to pray or like, what does it mean to have heaven in this space or that space or over that person? And so today when you leave, I have a tool for you and it's called a prayer calendar. It looks just like this. This has changed. I've been practicing it since like September and this has changed the way that I pray. I'm going to give you just very quick instructions and then we're going to go into a time of response, okay? Let me, so on the way out today, you can grab one of these. This is all invitation, but it's very, very simple. You take this piece of paper, and you're just going to fill it out with 30 names, 31 names. And on the back, there's a little acronym called France, and it helps you kind of like, you're like, I don't know 30 people. I bet you do. Think about it. And it's just got a little, little block where you can start filling it out. Who are your friends? Just name five friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, coworkers, people from earlier in life. You sit down for just a second, and odds are with the France tool, you can get 30 names down. And all you're going to do is you're going to take this prayer calendar, and in each box, you're going to write one name for each day of the month. You guys tracking with me? Anybody intimidated yet? Breathe with me, it's gonna be all right. 
Again, I'm kind of distracted. Good attentions don't get me anywhere, so this practice has really helped me. You put one name in each box for the month. If it's a shorter month, those people don't get not prayed for, okay? You just kind of like scoot them back to the last day. Sorry about you. I'll see you every quarter. No, you pray. So 31 people on the, all right, so here's what, here's what you do. You ready? Here's, what, here's the game changer. Every day, so today is the 16th. So I looked at my calendar on the 16th this morning, and I sent a text. Every day, whoever's name is on the calendar, I normally do this right at the end of my time with God in the morning. You can fold this paper up, stick it in your Bible or your journal, have it on you. And every day, whatever day it is, you send, hey, Jake, you're on my prayer calendar today. Is there anything I can pray for you? All the instructions are on this piece of paper, okay? So you send this text, hey, Jake, this is people far from God. This is people in your church, in your city group. This is anybody and everybody. It doesn't matter. I definitely would encourage you to have some people that are disconnected from a relationship with God on this list, but just the first 31 names you can get down. Hey, Jake, you're my prayer calendar today. Is there anything I can pray for over specifically? He gets that text from me. And then, most of the time, Jake responds. And when Jake responds, he'll tell me what I can pray over. And here's, here's how this tool works. Within 24 hours of that exchange, my goal is, the goal here, is that you respond back with a written out prayer. They shared something very specific that you can pray for. And then you will type up a prayer via text. Or if you're, if you're moving and you prefer this, you can like do a voice memo or whatever's helpful for you, but text works for me. I'm going to write out a text. I'm going to send it back to Jake. And it allows me to pray specifically for him. And listen, guys, there's a lot of people in your life that maybe have never had someone pray over them personally. They've also never heard anybody talk to God like he's a friend. And so that prayer very simply shows that you care. In the middle of the loneliness and the pain of our city, it's a big deal to have somebody praying for you. But also, you get to pray very specifically. So I've been doing this for a couple of months. And I'll be honest, this is a new habit of mine. I don't miss a day. It is incredible what God has done. I've been teaching other people this tool, what God is doing through their prayers. What, what could happen? What could happen if we actually start to ask? Jesus seems to be intent that what we ask for, he answers. Can I, can I tell you one quick story? Ethan, the guy that was baptized last week. You guys remember Ethan? We love Ethan, right? So excited for him. Taught Ethan the prayer calendar. Ethan's brand new to following Jesus. Pretty much every person in his life is, is far from God. And he's like, wait a minute, you mean I got to text my friends who are atheists and tell them that I'm praying for them? And I'm like, yeah, man, give it a shot. He's like, this is crazy. Let's go. Right, that, that's his posture. And so then he does it. And he's, he's, do, he's, he's sending these texts. And listen, sometimes you get like no response at all, and that's okay. And other times, uh, one time I said, um, one of my buddies said, you can pray for world peace. And I'm like, all right, Miss America, let's do that. Like, that's, that's wonderful. Uh, and it's fine. Whatever they do, it's totally fine. You just pray for them. Um, but, but Ethan, last week, he came to me. He said, Drake, I sent the pr I'm doing the prayer calendar thing, and I sent it to two of my friends, and they both texted me back after I prayed for them, and the thing that I prayed for actually happened. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man. Go, Jesus. And guys, I have done this. I've been doing it long enough that I've got 31 of you probably on my calendar somewhere, and I've got 31 people in my life that are disconnected from relationship with God that I pray for every day. And the text that I've got back, the responses of people that I thought would be just kind of 
totally haterating on the, on the invitation to pray, they are blown away by the compassion and love, and then the specific prayer makes a huge, huge difference. So that's your invitation, is just try the prayer calendar. You guys down? You're gonna get it on the way out. I, I know it might be, you're like, oh, 31 days, listen, process it in your city group, all of that stuff. But what could happen? What could happen if half of the room started to pray specifically every day for it to be on earth as it is in heaven? I think change starts here, friends. And I think Jesus is leaning in, waiting to share heaven in and through us. So a couple of quick next steps for you on the screen. Number one, because uh, uh, maybe that was a lot for you, as we reflect and respond today, number one is this. Today, I just want to invite you to release and ask. Jesus' first invitation was to surrender the control and begin to ask. And so for some of you, you're not followers of Jesus in the room, and so this might mean for you for the first time, surrendering control and asking Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Jesus, I want your way and your will and your agenda and your kingdom over my heart and mind. And, for t and today, maybe for the first time, it's releasing control and letting Jesus save you and set you free. Beginning to follow Jesus today, that might be it for you. But others of you in the room, what, what is it for you? Just, just maybe ask this morning. We're going to have a time of prayer together. And is there something that you're just holding really tight onto that you're trying to control? And what would it look like to release that? And then begin to ask specifically for the kingdom to come into those spaces. Number two, try out the prayer calendar. You're going to get it on the way out. And I'd love to see how it serves you. You can flesh it out in city groups. But the last thing I also want to invite you into is every week at 945, we gather here before our weekend gatherings for prayer. If you serve on a weekend team, you're already probably a part of that rotation. But I just want you to know that in the same vein of us cultivating a space of prayer and seeing heaven come to earth, we also gather weekly to pray at 945. And you're invited every week if you so desire. What could be different over the next seven days if Jesus answered every single one of the prayers that we prayed? I'm confident that these next seven days are gonna be different as we take Jesus seriously and find out. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the space. Thank you for the time that we have to get a picture of your heart. Thank you for our understanding, Jesus, that you have won the rule back, the authority back for us so that we can partner with you, rule with you, and bring life into the world around us. Help our hearts to be sensitive to the pain points in the world around us. But also help us to be sensitive to maybe the pain that we're dealing with or the struggles that we have in our own city groups, in our own community. And would you give us the capacity to love beyond ourselves as we build community together? Would you help us to be the church? as we gather and as we scatter. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, this is just a moment of privacy for you, but maybe you're in the room and, and you're kind of leaning in and realizing for the first time you've, you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, to trust in him and his death and burial and resurrection. 
in your place for your sins to save you, set you free, make you new, adopt you into the family of God. And I want you to know today that God's love is for you and it's been demonstrated in Jesus and all you have to do is receive that love and that gift today. So if that's you today and your heart's leaning in and you're trusting in Jesus for the first time, just let us know on that connection card. We would love to serve you and walk with you in that. Others of you, maybe, maybe the area of control, of release for you is that you've made the decision to follow Jesus, but you've never made the decision to be baptized, to publicly demonstrate and celebrate your relationship and your identity in Jesus. And maybe that's the next step for you. You can let us know on that connection card. For the others of us in the room, maybe God has already highlighted the thing that needs to be released and the spaces we need to begin to ask. And so let's just create that space today. Jesus, we invite you to do what you want to do with the rest of our time. Amen.